You're listening to The Peak Podcast with me, Christina Roman. We're having real, intimate conversations about the interconnectedness of life. Join us as we discuss big topics like intuition, personal mastery, and emotional wellness and why they matter for you. In this episode, my former career coach, Liz Cohen, and I chat about crafting a career with intention. We discuss the importance of concretely defining your values, the benefit of pivoting, and what to do with our limitations. We chat about why Liz gave up public speaking, how to increase the chances of your dreams coming true from 65 to 95%, seriously, and the beauty of formalizing safety nets in our lives. We have a two-part call to action for you within the episode, so be sure to listen closely for that. Here are some quotes that stood out to me within the episode. Give yourself a chance to reality test whether what you're saying is an assumption or a truth. You've got to work on your relationship with rejection before you start chasing after things. And lastly, what's a good enough articulation of my dream today? All this and more within the episode. Happy listening. Liz Cohen, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I am so excited. As you know, I have a giant list of things I want to talk to you about. And we just discussed that this was basically going to be one of our long walk and talk conversations, but recorded this time. We will have an agenda, which we will not follow because more interesting things will come to mind. And that's okay. That's exactly right. We texted this morning and I was like, agendas are for weenies. Who needs that? (laughs) Um, Sometimes you need them and sometimes you don't. So today we'll just see how far we get with and without one. We're going to have to cut ourselves off. So let's jump right in. I wanted to ask you, first of all, what's on your mind today? Oh my goodness. What's on my mind today? That's a really good question. I was thinking about this podcast. I was thinking about, um, I was thinking about being on a podcast. I've never been on a podcast before. Mm -hmm. And this notion of, you know, when you're a coach, how much of what you're doing is sharing your expertise versus how much of what you're doing is humbly asking questions and finding the expertise within the person who you're coaching. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about how do I try and channel that same philosophy on a podcast, Mm -hmm. um, trying not to pretend that I know everything because I don't, but at the same time, um, you know, sharing the things that I can help people do and, learning from you and and giving people questions so that they can learn for themselves. So I think that's that's what was on my mind this morning. Deep morning for you. Lots of thinking this morning. It's always a deep morning. The 6.30 to 8.30 window for me is when my mind goes wild. I accidentally woke up this morning at 6.15 and I couldn't go back to sleep. So I was like, I guess I'm up for the day. What's on your mind this morning? Uh, so I have this podcast also coincidentally on my mind funny that. But I have been doing some research. I've been hanging out on your website this morning. So sweet. I'm not even a job seeker and I'm not even in the corporate world, but I just find your posts really enlightening. And I want to just dig right in with uh, two of the ones that actually were top of mind for me. So the last podcast episode that I actually recorded was about values. And I know that Mm -hmm. you have a 10-minute exercise to defining values. So I thought that would be a really good place to start. Can you tell me a little bit about how someone can define their values? Yeah, definitely. I mean, to me, I think values are the most important aspect of crafting a life that is fulfilling for yourself. If you don't know what it is that's most important to you, that's the definition of what a value is, what it is that you're trying to optimize for in your life, and what you are willing to sacrifice Mm -hmm. for other aspects of your life, then you've got no North Star, like you've got no compass that you can work with. Mm -hmm. So 
the values exercises on my website is not one that I developed. It's one that a lot of different coaches and professionals use, but it's super simple and you can do it in 10 minutes. It's this list of a hundred different values, everything from growth to adventure, to financial independence, to impact, to community, love, family, all of these different values. Mm -hmm. And it forces you to cut that list down to your top 15, then your top 10, then your top seven, and then to rank them in rank order. And what I've definitely found for people is once they've got that rank order list of seven values of what they're trying to optimize for in the next two to four years of their life, Mm -hmm. everything starts to become so much clearer. I love that. And I like that you specified that it's for the next two to four years. So something that I found in my life is that my values, I have consistent values that I carry throughout my life. And then I also Mm -hmm. have values that ebb and flow even day to day. And so, yeah. yeah, so something that I do actually every morning is I ask my intuition, what are my values today? Um, and it's really nice. Yeah. It's, do you write them down or what's the process that you go through? Or is it just a, a question and a, and a brief like mental reflection? Oh, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> um, <laughs> you write them down. I know you. <laughs> I mean, why do I do morning pages? So I can look at my own beautiful handwriting, obviously. <laughs> um, no, I, I actually just recorded a podcast episode, a solo episode on morning pages. So there are the three unscripted pages in the morning. And within those three pages, I do a lot of different things. Um, sometimes I have a spontaneous poem that pops into my head, but sometimes I just ask myself questions Mm. and answer those questions on paper. So that's the short answer is yes, I write them down. (laughs) Um, That's beautiful. The short answer and the long journal entry. Yes. The very, very long. Everyone listening, if you want an example of what it means to go above and beyond with intentionality in your life, listen to Christina Roman, because I really (laughs) have not met anyone who does it more intentionally than you do. And I love that about you. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. (laughs) I feel like there's a little, there's a little hint of obsessiveness, but you know, I, I, I like what I like <laughs> and I do what I do. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, uh, obsessiveness with self-awareness can be very powerful. <laughs> I mean, it's getting me into a coaching business, so that's exciting. But I do yeah. want to ask you, um, I actually pulled out one of the quotes from one of your blogs, so I'm just going to spend an hour quoting you back to you. So get oh, prepared. <laughs> um, but one, <laughs> one thing that you said is get in touch with what drives you. And so the natural question that I have is, Liz Cohen, what drives you and what are your values? Is that the same thing or are those two different things? Yeah. Oh, that's such a good question. I mean, I think values is a nice like real world indicator of what drives you. Um, I, I guess if you ask me, yes, I would say drive and values are, are very similar. It's what's motivating you to get out of bed in the morning. And I think very similar to you, I have seen my personal values change over time. And I was thinking about this. I know one of the topics we were thinking of discussing was why did I leave the corporate world in Silicon Valley to start my own coaching business? Mm -hmm. And it's so fascinating to me because when I was growing up, I had a very one track mind about my values and my idol was Mother Teresa, um, not because she was a missionary, but because she was someone who was leading with love and with service and who was making impact at scale. And that's just like, that was my drive, impact at scale, impact at scale. And so all of the jobs that I held coming out of university and then going to work for LinkedIn, it was all about how do I make the greatest impact in the world? Greatest meaning widest, broadest, Mm -hmm. biggest. And that worked for me for a while until 
my values started to change. And so I spent a couple of years at LinkedIn. I was running this global program with our 35 offices around the globe, distributing a million dollars in grants, creating these training programs for job seekers around the world. And it was huge. And I was achieving what I had set out for myself. And yet at the same time, what I woke up and realized was I was exhausted. I was traveling all the time. I was working around the clock because I was working internationally, which anyone who works internationally knows that means you're up in the morning so you can work with Europe and you're up at night so you can work with Asia and then you're up during the day so you can work with North America. Um, And so even though I was making this big global impact, I was unhealthy. My relationships were floundering. I barely ever saw my family. I like personal and physical and mental wellness was just not a part of the picture for me. And community, which had always been very important to me, my local community, I just didn't have time to be very involved in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And so I actually went through this process of redefining my values and recognizing, whoa, this thing that was my goal that drove me, that very much so fit me for the first chunk of my career is no longer the right environment for me. Mm -hmm. And coming to that conclusion was really hard. I mean, making a change when you've had this inertia of your life building towards it for years and years Mm -hmm. is really challenging, especially when you're making decisions that also go against what other people are telling you you should value and what society is telling you is viewed as valuable. Mm. Um, And so I think what's really wonderful for me to see today is one, I've kind of intentionally now crafted a lifestyle that puts family and deep impact versus broad impact and community at the center of my life, I recognize that that might not always be the case and and that may change at some point. Um, But for now, I feel really privileged and very lucky that I took the time to recognize whether or not my work environment was aligning with my values. You're so good. So much practicing what oh. you preach. I love it. I just, oh, gosh, Ryan. Yeah. I mean, just for a little bit more context for everybody listening, we do these monthly talks. So I call you my walk and talk buddy. So mm-hmm. you you take your dog out for a walk and walk around the city. I walk around my city and we just, we do this. We just talk. And I get off every single phone call energized. I've never not gotten off the phone with you, been being completely energized for the day and for my work um, and for and just for living a value-based life. And I think it values can feel like such an airy-fairy term or a privilege, yeah. but I think you and I would maybe agree that people don't take enough time, like you said, to be really intentional and to make sure that their career is aligning with their values. So I yeah. I guess a good, a good segue, I have a lot of ways I want to go here, but a good segue is what would you say to somebody who says, that's fine and dandy, but I don't have the privilege to follow my values? Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a perfect question. And I think whenever someone says, I don't have mm-hmm. or I can't, my first response to them is, let's, let's reality test that. Like, let's dig into whether or not that is really true. So if you say to me, I don't have the privilege to live my values, what I'd be thinking about as a coach is, okay, first, let's define what those values are Mm -hmm. and let's level set. Are you really not living them today? Because sometimes people say, I don't feel like I'm living my values. Then we go through the exercise of defining their values and they realize, huh, I kind of actually am living my values. Mm -hmm. And so then it becomes this question of like, am I not as happy as I should be? Or am I wrong about my values? So you go down a different rabbit hole. But if we define your values and you say, I'm not privileged enough to work in social impact per se, I need to make more money than I can make in social impact. 
then I start to say, okay, if money is the primary thing that we're trying to optimize for here, help me understand what do you actually need when it comes to money? Like, let's put a number on that so that we understand what we're working with. Mm -hmm. And then once we know what number you're shooting for, then we want to talk about, okay, are there possibilities out there in social impact that can help you hit that number? Why do you, are you working with that number? Is there anything that you could do or change about your life to lessen that number of the required amount that you need to be earning every month or every year? Or is there something you could do supplementally? So we just start to experiment with, okay, what are the actual parameters of what we're talking about here? Mm -hmm. And then what are the possibilities that might fit into those parameters? And at the very least, give yourself a chance to reality test whether or not what you're saying is an assumption or a truth. Because then once at the very least you've said, this is a truth, I've grounded it in reality and in the numbers, then you can just accept it and move on. I love that so much. Just pressure testing your own assumptions. So I actually have a post that I'm working on, which is stop taking on other people's limitations. And so I Uh always say, if I had a nickel for every time someone said, well, not everyone can just go to grad school or not everyone can just have their dream job, I stop and I say, I'm not talking to everyone. I'm talking to you. How about you? (laughs) Um, But but now I think you've given me a lot of those tools to take that conversation a lot further. And another thing I think you you alluded to is this idea that I – I'm obsessed with, which is non-binary decision-making. So basically that Mm -hmm. idea that we often see things as this or that. So either social impact or corporate greed. (laughs) And you worked at LinkedIn, which is, I would imagine, some combination of both of those. You know, you have the corporate side and you also have the social impact side. And so really starting to think more creatively and to see all the different versions that could play out in your career, but also in other areas of your life and not just sticking to the either or black and white thinking. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's so important. The problem is it's harder. Mm -hmm. It's a lot harder to say, I'm going to do some work to investigate what's really possible here Mm -hmm. than just to say it's not possible. And it's a personal question and preference whether or not you want to do the work to to pick up that rock, turn it over and see what's underneath it. Mm -hmm. Um, And some people just don't have the space in their lives to be able to do that at any given time. And that's okay. What's most important, I think, is that someone wants to do that work. Because if you don't want to do the work, you're not going to benefit from the process. and, And it is a waste of time at that point. I'm reading The Power of Now. I'm rereading The Power of Now, actually. And one thing mm, that really stuck that out to me was- my favorite book. I love So good. Book. I love it. I love it. <laughs> um, one of the things that I was just reading last night as I fell asleep, you know, to The Power of Now, what a nice bedtime story, mm-hmm. um, was just this concept. It's super easy. It's if you're in a situation that you don't like, you can leave it, you can change it, or you can accept it. And I think that I guess a follow-up part was if you are feeling lazy or inactive, he basically says, if you don't want to change being lazy and inactive, then you need to accept and embrace it and fully appreciate that time of laziness and inactiveness. And I think I'll speak for myself. There's been times in my career where I didn't want to drive forward and I wasn't kind of propelled forward like I usually am. And it was just the season of my life where I wanted to be a little, I won't say apathetic, but I just wanted to be a little passive and just let my career develop naturally um, Mm -hmm. and just being fully accepting of that in that season of life. And I think that you kind of alluded to the seasons of life in the four, two to four year conversation is like these seasons of life and, and your values changing with that. 
Yes, exactly. I mean, I would say, you know, pulling that back to the values question, that's just your values at that time were a little different. Your values weren't optimizing for career advancement necessarily. Mm-hmm. Your your values were to invest in other areas of your life or to invest in your career in a different way. Mm-hmm. And I love the idea of acceptance and not shaming ourselves for having these different periods and not necessarily sharing the same values or drive that gets preached to us by society all the time mm-hmm. because that shame is just so useless. It, it does not help us in any way. And that means that we miss out on the moments when we can be recharging and investing outside of our careers. And those are really critical to having, I think, like the stamina and the ability to craft a career that is fulfilling and authentic to us. Mm-hmm. I want to move into this idea of identity and being able to gracefully let something go. So you mentioned that you had to work through that with your own career and leaving the corporate world and starting as a career coach. And I actually tossed this into our document this morning because I was thinking of a friend who has a really strong identity tied to her current job, even though she's not happy and she's having a really hard time detangling from that identity that she's created around it. What advice would you have for someone in her shoes? Ooh, gosh, you know, that's a really tricky case to dig into without a little more context. <laughs> fair, fair. Uh, I'd, be, I'd be really curious about where that attachment comes from. I'd be really curious about her values and what she's motivated by. Mm-hmm. I'd probably be curious about her Enneagram number. <laughs> There's a lot of things that I'd be curious <laughs> about to kind of unbundle uh-huh. What is it that has made you so attached to this Mm -hmm. job as your identity? Um, How is she cultivating her identity outside of her job? What other Mm -hmm. possibilities has she considered? And what is honestly just like, what is the core problem that is underlying her unhappiness? Mm -hmm. That's what I'd really want to understand. What, what is the problem? Mm Mm-hmm. I think it would be really tough to make a diagnosis of sorts without speaking to someone for sure. I'll have to ask her what her Enneagram number is. I'll report back. (laughs) I know. It can tell you a lot. Yeah, no kidding. You know, you know, I'm as obsessed as you are. I really am. (laughs) It's the best. To segue back into your career and how you made that transition, you mentioned some pressures from other people about what you should be valuing. But besides the values exercise, how did you detangle your identity from that corporate job? Mm, Goodness gracious. It was a long process. It was certainly not an overnight experience. I think it came in phases. Mm -hmm. Um, The first phase was to recognize that my life was very out of alignment from what my values had evolved into. Mm -hmm. And recognizing that was hard. Um, It took me getting to a place of very, very unhealthy stress and anxiety to recognize, whoa, my body is sending me signals that I've got some work to do and I'm not in the right place. Uh, The first thing I went out and did was got a therapist, which was one of the most life-changing experiences and relationships of my life, Mm -hmm. uh, absolutely without a doubt. Um, And I think in therapy, I worked very hard to do just what you're talking about, unbundle. Why did I feel this pressure and this drive to continue operating at a certain level and to continue making impact over scale? What would I give up if... I abandoned that path and what possibly might I start to build in its place? Um, What else was I passionate about? And I started 
recognizing that I didn't have the space within my job to go through that reflection process. So I wound up leaving my job without having another job lined up, which a lot of people will tell you you should never do. <laughs> Most mothers will tell you you should never do this because it feels so irresponsible. And yet it was the, one of the best things I ever did as well. Um, I was very passionate. I had seen about leading these coaching sessions within LinkedIn, meeting with job seekers, understanding their needs, teaching them how to use the product and being there for the human experience. So I knew that was something that I love to do. I was giving multiple informational interviews a week to people who wanted to work in social impact, people who wanted to work in Silicon Valley, people who are graduating from university and wondering what they wanted to do with their lives. And I loved those phone calls. So I knew there was like an inkling of a passion that was worth exploring there. Mm -hmm. I also knew I was really passionate about food. And so I found cookbooks and started cooking my way through them. I started volunteering on an organic community farm in San Francisco. I filled my life with people and activities and things that brought me joy and stimulation. And I just kind of followed that path to get a better sense of, okay, what are the new parameters that I want to drive my career? What are the passions that I might be doing on a day-to-day basis? What are the, the ways that that could play out uh, in terms of a job title? And then I started experimenting with career coaching as a business. And then it just kind of grew from there. So I think a lot of it was just being open to experimenting, reflecting, setting new rules, trying them, adjusting them as I went and following this path to aligning my life with my values. I love that process. And I think that that is maybe the only way to do this is to just basically move forward and iterate, move forward, iterate. I always call it just pivot. Are you a Friends fan? Oh my gosh, I love this line. I just think of that all the time in the context of career growth and in terms of life growth is just constant pivoting. I think about it too. I think about it too all the time. And it's it's really hard because I, I see this in myself and I see this in my clients too. We want certainty. Mm-hmm. We want to know that when we take a risk that we're going we're gonna to land in a safe place. We want to know that when we leave a job, we're going to find another one and it's going to be better than the one that we're in today. And I'm so sorry, but no one can guarantee you that. But what can be guaranteed is that if you go down that path, you will find a more authentic sense of self and state of life. You just, you've got to trust that you will build it over time, even though that path is going to be hard and it's going to be messy. I think this ties really well to one of the books that I recommended to you because of my dear mother, my hermosa madre, as she likes to be called. (laughs) Um, I love her and I've never (laughs) met her, but this book changed my life. One day I'm going to introduce her to everyone. Um, So let your life speak. She should be on your podcast. Oh, she will be. Don't you even worry about it. (laughs) I'm going to force her on here. Um, So (laughs) Let Your Life Speak by Parker Palmer. I've talked about it in other episodes as well. But I know at first you were reading it and had some, I don't know if I would say opposition, but just some some thoughts on what you were reading. Is that accurate? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's so funny because I go into any career book, I feel like with an unnecessary level of scrutiny because I'm I'm so sensitive to bad career advice being on the airwaves mm-hmm. and at the same time trying to enter those books with uh with an openness and an acceptance that there's absolutely something I can learn. And then Let Your Life Speak was this like tiny 100-page book that the moment 
I finished it, I was like, whoa, Mm -hmm. those were like a hundred of the best pages of my life. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think what got me about the book in the beginning was Parker Palmer's discussion of limitations. And I get very nervous, I think, as you do, when we start talking about people's limitations Mm -hmm. and building a life within your limitations, because another one of the books that has been truly formative for me is Carol Dweck's Mindset, their secret of, The Secret of Success, which is all about the growth mindset. And what the growth mindset and this hard research tells us is that pretty much with, with effort and self-belief, you can significantly grow in just about any area. Mm-hmm. And so when Parker Palmer was talking about recognizing his limitations and how he wasn't thriving in these large academic universities that had publishing requirements, um, I didn't want him to sell himself short and I didn't want him to tell other people to tell, to sell themselves short. But I think as the book evolved, I started to see how he was really talking about an interplay between values and limitations and how, yes, we can improve and, and push out the boundaries of our limitations, which we all have, you know, we, we can't be fully equipped in everything from the day that we're born. We grow in all these different areas. Mm -hmm. And so recognizing which limitations we want to invest in pushing the boundaries of and growing beyond and which we want to just accept as a part of our identity in our life. I think that's a really good summary. And that's when you and I talked about the book, that's Essentially, what I said, too, is that I see it as we have these natural limitations, right? We, if you look at a, a personality test like Strengths Finder, it's basically based on this idea that you have innate strengths that you're born mm-hmm. with and can cultivate. And so how familiar are you with that? I am familiar with it. Not super familiar. I think I've taken it. It's not a test that I use regularly with my clients, though, so I'm not, I'm not super familiar. But you you tell me. Educate me. So StrengthsFinder is based on the idea that you can be a one through five on different innate skills. And then you combine that with hard work and it multiplies. So let's say that I'm a five on interpersonal communication and I work really hard at it. I can be a 25. Whereas if I'm trying to really capitalize on my weaknesses, the best I can ever do is a five because I take a skill that I'm not good at, a one, and I multiply it times hard hard work, a five, and I still got five. So the hmm, idea is basically double down on your strengths and pull attention away from your limitations or your weaknesses. So yeah, very interesting. Do you agree with the with the scope of that spectrum that that it should be, you know, like you can grow something to a 5 versus something to a 25? Do you believe that's the right um the right scale of potential development? My first instinct is yes. I think it makes a lot of sense that you would have these innate abilities and you'd be able to multiply it times hard work. And I actually think it ties really well to my own philosophy, which is dedication over discipline. And this idea that if you are seeking discipline, that you basically are punishing yourself into this life that doesn't fit your values. Whereas if you're seeking dedication, you're multiplying this passion with this perseverance and that you're actually going to get, be much happier along the way and get much further. So if I think Mm, about, I, I, it's been super helpful for me. So the reason that this idea came about is because I was chatting with a friend and I was talking about my old job and she said, it's just a matter. It's just a question of discipline. And at first I was like, I am disciplined and I was really indignant about it. But what I realized after talking to actually another friend was that if you look at the etymology of the word discipline, it literally is about punishment. 
And that is how I felt going into work every day. I felt like I was being punished. Mm -hmm. And then I think about the same level of work at my current business, life coaching, and it's a completely different experience. And so if I then take that idea of dedication over discipline and I apply it through the lens of StrengthsFinder, it actually does make a lot of sense to me. But because you asked the question, I'm curious if you have a different perspective. Oh, you know, I, well, I love what you're saying about discipline and dedication. And I think it, it relates to this theme that a lot of people are saying now around, you know, don't give people a no, give them a greater yes. Mm -hmm. Don't show me the path of what I should not be doing. Tell me what I should be doing. Mm -hmm. It's more empowering. It's more inspiring and it's more directive uh, and it's more productive. So I really love that reframing. And you know, I just, I just be curious where Strengths Fighter gets the scales from in terms of people's capacity to develop. I just, again, I, anything that tells people you're not capable of developing in a certain area, uh, it just raises the, the hairs on the back of my neck because I don't want people to limit themselves prematurely. I completely disagree with you. I, I, no, I can. <laughs> Sorry. You completely disagree <laughs> yourself prematurely, people. <laughs> Freudian slip. I, I, I seriously meant to say I completely agree with you. <laughs> oh now we're going to fight on this. <laughs> if I disagreed with you, I would tell you, but I don't. I I completely agree with you. And I would say that StrengthsFinder would not say that it's you can't develop. It's that why double down on your limitations or weaknesses when you could completely amplify and replicate your strengths? Yes. Yes. And I might just also say it's important to get specific about what those strengths and limitations are that you're talking about Mm -hmm. and to level set what it would take to become strong in each of those areas. If we're talking about communication skills, uh, that's very different than talking about becoming an expert at Adobe Illustrator, yes. right? And so I think, yeah, making sure that it's strength or skill specific would be important for charting an actual plan of what your development's going to look like. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. I think tying it yeah. back to let your life speak is just this idea that I have these limitations that I might be born with, let's say, and I can fight against them or again, back to my philosophy of dedication over discipline and StrengthsFinder, tying it back to now let your life speak, just combining it all, um, Yeah, is this idea, yes, I can overcome any limitation. And I think to your point, that's really empowering to say I can overcome any limitation. But the question is, do I want to? And is it, yes. is it where I want to put my time, energy, and focus? Or would I be better off really aligning myself with yeah. what already wants to Perfect question. So Christina, you don't have to answer this, but (laughs) are there any limitations that you've recognized within yourself where you have been able to let them go? Heck yeah. (laughs) Actually, this is so timely. I have a really hard time working with people that I don't like. Um, Uh Uh-huh. And, or I guess more specifically that I don't respect. Mm -hmm. I really struggle with people who are not super effusive. With the tight lifters. Oh, oh, it's so hard for me. (laughs) So if I think about, like, if I think about my friendships or I think about, you know, I think about talking to you or some of my old clients, the ones who are super effusive and outgoing and friendly and chatty, Uh those are the ones that I just naturally seem to click better with. So 
I really struggle when somebody is, like you said, like a lot more tight, tight-lipped or stoic. And so mm-hmm. I've been thinking about how much I want to push myself on that. And the answer is I do sometimes want to push myself on that, um, depending if I'm happy generally in my work circumstance, then I think I have more room to play around with my limitations. So to yeah. me, I, I need a ground foundational happiness or contentment, whatever you want to call it, fulfillment, in order to then play with my limitations. If I'm just generally unhappy in a work setting, it's really hard for me to be flexible with those little things. But to speak more specifically, I've had a few circumstances lately where I've been connected with somebody through different circumstances like my certification program for coaching or through the online world. And I just Mm -hmm. didn't deeply connect with them. But I've been trying to push myself to work with people who are different than me and work with people who have strengths that I don't have. Uh-huh. And sometimes I'm not going to really enjoy the process, but I'm going to become a better business owner because of it. Yeah. So it sounds like this is a limitation that you recognize in yourself and therefore you're minimizing the role that it plays in your business while taking it on as an opportunity for growth when and if you need to. Yes, exactly. It's a good summary. So I had, I reached out to somebody online recently and she and I connected and it was just not, it was not a particularly enjoyable call. And she spent about 30 minutes putting me in my place and I got off and, and afterwards I was like, you know what? I think I need to hire her. I mean, she gave me the, she laid down the law for me for 30 straight minutes. Interesting. And I felt like I needed to give her my money because I knew that she would not tell me what I wanted to hear. Huh. Mm-hmm. So that was a really good exercise for me. Wow. Fantastic. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And normally I don't think I would be open to that. I'd be like, you know what? I It's it's most important for me to like the people that I'm working with. And that is a value of mine. And I've been able to find that. So like my podcast manager, hey, you're awesome. Um, <laughs> my website developer, I genuinely enjoy working with them. But I think that sometimes it comes in different packages. So yeah, how about Yes, absolutely. And I think it's important to recognize why you aren't enjoying someone mm-hmm. and what you need out of that relationship. And it sounds like you're make, you're discerning whether or not this person is going to be valuable. If she addressed you down for things that you completely disagreed with and you knew not to be true and had inhibited your ability to feel empowered on your job, that to me would signal the sign of someone that you do not want to be working with. Right. But if you found that this person was enabling you to grow despite having a different work style, it sounds sounds like a very uh, self-aware and smart decision. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. What, yeah. a, what about you? To toss the question back to you, what are some limitations that you have unearthed within yourself that you either have decided are not worth changing or ones that you have worth? Yeah. Worth? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think um, – There's a number of them that I came away from my corporate experience with, and probably the two that play a significant role in the decisions I make in my business today are, I don't want to work around the clock. I know that I do not thrive as a person in my family, my community, and my business when I am overly busy. Um, So limiting the number of hours that I work, even if that means turning away new revenue opportunities is really important to me. Mm -hmm. That means I can show up as the best coach that I can be and the best 
Liz that I can be in the world and no amount of money is worth sacrificing those two things. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the first one. The second one is public speaking, which is so funny to a lot of the people in my life because I grew up very eager to get in front of a microphone. Like I grew up singing in my dad's rock band Mm -hmm. and performing musically in a lot of different venues I, public speaking was a huge part of my earlier career. When I was at LinkedIn, I was speaking in front of audiences that were thousands of people without even worrying about it. Um, and then once I started to get overwhelmed by work, I recognized that I actually didn't enjoy public speaking, but I was doing it because I felt like I needed to. And really it was, it was this underlying cause of a lot of stress in my life. And so public speaking with the exception of something like this podcast is I just don't do it anymore. Um, it's a limitation that I've decidedly said, I don't enjoy this. I get stressed by this. It takes energy away from other things that I enjoy and help me build my business and serve my clients better. And therefore, I'm just not going to do it. More power to you. Amen, sister. <laughs> let it go. If it does not serve you, let it go. That's so funny not to keep quoting the power of now, but he says, one of the questions that someone asked him is, how do you let something go? And he's like, by letting it go. (laughs) 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 That's so Master Eckhart. You let it go. You let it go. (laughs) How do you let it go? By letting it go. (laughs) Um, So I just love that entire process that you went through with the public speaking. So If you had to, I guess, sum up in one sentence why it wasn't worth it for you to keep trying and to keep pushing on public speaking, what would that be? Doing it for the wrong reasons. Mm. Yeah, I was doing it for the wrong reasons. Yeah, I, I, I did not need it in any way to grow my business or be someone who can help people in the world and fulfill my values. Mm -hmm. I did not enjoy it. And it was taking energy away from other areas. So why would I do something that checks those three boxes? Mm -hmm. There's just, there's literally no reason to other than doing it for the wrong reasons. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I want to put a call to action out to everybody listening. Something that you have been trying to convince yourself to do and maybe it's a limitation you've been trying to fight against. So maybe maybe we even put a co-challenge out for two things. One limitation that you do want to make progress on and one limitation that you're ready to let go. Mm, I love that. What a great call to action. Do Boom. it, people. Write them down. Go. Email it to us. We want to see. Yeah. We need to know. <laughs> actually, email it to us because the moment that you do, you're more likely to actually work on what you want to work on and let go of what you want to let go. Well, if that's not a segue to this question, I don't know what is, which is. I thought it might be. <laughs> like you're reading my mind. We're not even secretly chatting, just Reverend listening. We, we just are on the same wavelength. Tell me about the power of saying your dreams out loud. Yeah, I love. So I think you're referring to one of the articles on my website, which is just this concept that's grounded in some really compelling data. So it's this notion of, you know, we have ideas and thoughts that are floating through our minds all the time. But what makes the difference between ideas that just get forgotten and ideas that get acted on dreams that we have and dreams that we make come true. And so it's interesting, all the little actions that you take increase the likelihood of your dream coming true. And the first one is saying that dream out loud. Like the moment that you say that dream out loud, the chances of it coming true 
take a big jump. I think it's something like 25%. Hmm. The moment that you then tell that dream to someone else and ask them to help hold you accountable for achieving that dream, your odds of achieving it become 65%. And then the moment that you ask some, you tell someone your dream, ask them to help hold you accountable and build in check-ins where you're going to have them monitor your progress and help you figure out your way forward, then your odds become 95%. So literally there's just no reason why we can't achieve our dreams, I think is what this data tells us. I love that you have statistics for all of that. That's incredible. They're important. Yes, absolutely. It's not just like go out there and achieve your dreams, people, because you can. (laughs) No, you you really can. No, but seriously, I think it's funny because I know in that article, you basically say, I know this sounds super woo-woo, like just go out there and do your dreams. But now you're like, wait, (laughs) I added stats to it. So science. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Eat that. Yeah. So Christina, I'm curious, do you have any dreams in particular that you are eager to say out loud today for the first time or dreams that you've already said out loud that you're interested in continuing to chase after? I do have this dream. I have many dreams. <laughs> this one, dream. This dream. What dream do you have? <laughs> this dream is that I have this idea that one day for like six months to a year, I'm going to be a traveling life coach. And what that means is that I'm going to work with one client exclusively and I'm going to travel around with them as part of their job. So they might Ooh. be a speaker, <laughs> speaking of public speaking, they might be a speaker, they might be an author on tour, they might be a CEO, they might be a academic head of something yeah. or other. Um, but you're going to be that little angel perched on their right shoulder. That is exactly right. That's going to be my slogan. Wow. Thank you so much. <laughs> cool gig. Um, I feel like I'm not I'm not sweet enough to be an angel, so I need a little bit more sass in there. But uh... <laughs> Okay. You could, you could like straddle both shoulders. You could be angel devil. You're a sassy angel, angel. devil coach. <laughs> <laughs> Horns. And a little halo. <laughs> yeah, and a really thick notebook. <laughs> uh, always. Um, I'd be like, listen, <laughs> I will be there for you at all times, except in the morning when I have to write my morning pages, because that's really important for me. <laughs> How else will I know my values of the day? Oh, my gosh. Um, that sounds like a great dream, though. I love it. Yeah. It's very clear, very specific. Thank you. I realized I, was, I actually did mention this out loud to someone at the pool the other day, you know pool talk. And And now you've said it twice. I've said it twice. So if you know anybody who's looking for a traveling coach, I am looking to travel with someone for six to 12 months. No more than that, because then I want to be at home in my little nest on my couch. (laughs) Yeah, but way to put it out there. Thank you so much. But I do you want me to help hold you accountable for achieving that dream? um, I will, but not right now, because it's not I think it's in the festering mode. And I mean, festering in the best way possible. It's in the the, that's okay, just kind of out there in the universe, not quite ready to happen, but it will be. Cool. You're just letting it float out there. Exactly. Keeping your odds below 65%, but consciously choosing to keep them <laughs> a little lower for now. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Not ready to commit because of course, once we commit to a dream, we can't not achieve it because that would be failure and failure is bad. Yeah. No failure around here. <laughs> no, never. <laughs> never. I never failed at anything. <laughs> Um, no, I, I, the reason that that post particularly caught my eye is because I actually have a half written blog post, which is that you should tell people, 
about all of your wild ideas. And the one challenge that I have is that I have so many ideas and so many don't get executed. And I worry about seeming like a flake who doesn't execute on my ideas. So if somebody is wanting to share their ideas but is scared about potentially rejection or potentially yeah. um, feeling like a flake, what, what advice would you give them? Oh, gosh, it's such a great question. I mean, I think the first thing is you don't achieve dreams without rejection. So if you've got a problem with rejection, that means dreams are not in your future. And you've got to work on your relationship with rejection a little bit before you start chasing after things. I think that's the first thing that comes to mind. Um, I just don't think and I have not seen in the stories that I've read about public figures and the clients that I've worked with big things don't happen without lots of failures, without lots of recalibrations. I think what's most important is that we go through this goal setting process or this dream sharing process so that we have an idea of what direction that we're headed in, acknowledging that where we wind up is, is very unlikely to be that exact dream with that exact wording that we set out with in the beginning. But we're, we're pointing in the right direction and moving towards it, which is important. And you gotta fail and fumble along the way. So I think I'd be saying, you know, recognize your relationship to rejection and ask yourself, why is that so scary to you? What would happen if you failed? If you got rejected, what would you do next? Like do a little fear setting exercise around that. And Tim Ferriss has a great one. (laughs) Um, And then to ask yourself, well, what's a good enough articulation of my dream for today? What are the first couple of steps that I need to take to start marching towards that dream coming true? And when am I going to check in with myself about what I've learned? And then also, who are the people I'm going to tell about my dream? Because you don't want to go and tell your mom that you're going to quit your job because you want to become a surf teacher in Fiji. Your mom is not going to be very supportive of that dream. In fact, she's very likely to try and talk you out of going after that dream. So asking yourself, who are going to be the people who are going to ask me the right questions, give me the right kind of non-judgmental support, and help me find the right answers for myself as I'm going through this dream actualization process? The dream actualization process. I love that name. Sure. Coin it. Yes. You, you know, it's yours. You you trademark it. <laughs> um, All right. It's so funny you say that about the mom because my mom always jokes when I moved to Central America for three years, I had a huge breakdown right before I left. And I was like, I don't want to go. It's a terrible idea. I'm not doing it. And my mom was like, you have to go. You like go. You need to go. And she always jokes that she's probably the only mom on earth who like encourages her child to go to Central America. What a great mom. (laughs) I mean, good taste in books and encouraging. But no, I think. Great coaching. (laughs) Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. (laughs) But I do love that idea that uh, my sister and I actually talked about this on our podcast that we recorded together, which is Stop seeking advice from people who don't share your values or from people who Mm -hmm. don't understand what you're headed towards. And so I had a really interesting experience. I have an amazing group of women who I get together with who all have corporate jobs. They're super supportive. But it was really funny to your point about quitting a job with no backup. 
So I spoke to this group of women and they all said, oh, you should definitely build your business on the side. You should you know, build up revenue and client base before you make the leap. And it was them saying it that I realized that I was 100% just going to quit on a whim and start my own business because that's, that's my fantastic. style. <laughs> yeah. And it's my, yeah. it's just my risk tolerance. And so that's not a, that's not a dig about them at all. It was just interesting to see that we had different values, different priorities and, to your point about asking people who are really going to kind of align with where you want to go with your dreams. Yeah, absolutely. And not scare you out of doing what feels right to you Mm -hmm. for the wrong reasons. That's a really interesting point because to me, whenever anyone said anything that could have been scary or discouraging, it pushed, it propelled me forward. So I guess my question Hmm. for you is if you're committed enough to your idea, can you be scared out of it? That's a really good question. I think it has to do with so many different factors. I mean, I'm curious about you, like what the process was, like when did you get that inkling of this potential dream and what were all of the different phases that you went through before you became completely committed to it? Because I'm guessing there was a lead up to that (laughs) over which you were starting to become more and more committed. And then you got to a certain point where no one was going to scare you out of it. Mm. But I'm I'm also assuming that there's a certain amount of self-awareness that has gone into your decision-making where you know what your risk tolerance is and just the fact that you can speak to that in consideration of risk. Um, And then I'd also be curious about what kind of safety net that you have to be able to feel like you can take that risk, even though other people in your life are telling you that it's too risky. But all of it speaks wonders to you knowing yourself and you feeling comfortable enough to know, yes, this is a risk, but it's what I really want. Even if it doesn't work out, I'm going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to go do it now Mm -hmm. and not waste any more time. Yeah, I think those are all incredibly important considerations. So tossing that back to anyone who's listening is if you have a big decision or a big leap, and it doesn't even have to be career related. It could be moving abroad. It could be um, having kids, not having kids, whatever that getting married or not getting married, whatever that decision is. Um, Can you kind of recap? You said safety net, risk tolerance. Self-awareness. Yeah, self-awareness. And recognizing the path that you've taken to becoming more committed Mm -hmm. to this idea. And like how many, how many proof points are there that are underlying that decision that, yes, this is the right decision for me. Mm-hmm. You did your research. It's not like you just jumped willy-nilly into starting your own coaching business. True. You worked hard to build towards it. 10 years in the making. So you're absolutely right. It exactly. Not, not an overnight yeah, let's decision. Give some, let's give you some credit. <laughs> but also in terms of like delaying decisions and when to make the leap, I was another thing that was on my mind this morning, which I should have mentioned in the beginning was... I watched, I was sick this weekend and I was watching a lot of movies, one of which was a Drew Barrymore movie, which I watch often when I'm sick called Ever After. Yes. <laughs> a little embarrassing, <laughs> but yes, I watch Drew Barrymore movies when I'm sick. And there's this great moment where Leonardo da Vinci is one of the characters in the movie and he's older when he's in the movie and he meets this young painter and he says to the young painter, show me your work. And the young painter says, what now? And da Vinci says, son, when you're my age, now is all you've got. (laughs) And I just think about using that in my life. You know, I'm in my 30s. And yet I want to have that be my response to everything. Now is all I've got. Okay, first of all, I love that you talk about Ever After because we used to watch it all the time. I have two stepsisters and a sister from the four of us who sit around and rewatch it (laughs) all the time. (laughs) I'm also laughing because I have printed in front of me the document that we that we made to talk about what we were going to discuss on the podcast. Uh-huh. And I could tell, like, 
I have all my notes and then I just saw an extra note added and it just says at my age now is all you've got <laughs> and I didn't know the context until just this moment it's on my mind I want to keep it with me it's a good it's a really nice reminder heaven forbid we all wait until we're 70 to feel like now is all we've got mm-hmm. like no we are creating our lives right now And to the extent to which we're waiting without choosing that waiting is the right thing for us to do, I think we're, we're wasting time and we don't have too much of it. It's kind of short, this thing called life. (laughs) My, my one caveat on that is just this idea that I think people think, you know, if I haven't done it by 40, game over. And so definitely, yeah. And so I always give the example, not to keep talking about my mom, but she started learning Spanish at age 50 and French at, I think, 60. And I just love that as an example. So whenever anyone says to me, oh, I'm too old to learn a language or I'm too old to do this, I always say, wait, wait, wait. Well, listen to the story about my mom. And, Uh And so I think it's a, two sides of the same coin, which is now is the time. And also it's never too late. Yes. Yes. The point of now is the time doesn't mean yes, that applies to your thirties. Like, no, the the point is it applies to, it (laughs) applies to all time, all ages. Stop wasting time doubting yourself. Do what you want to do. Don't do it for the wrong reasons because that's also a waste of time. Mm -hmm. But if you want to do something, why not now? I want to talk about pushback. I don't mean to keep harping on this idea of privilege and anyone listening who's like, again, great advice, but I just don't feel like I can follow it. Is there anything else that we haven't talked about yet in terms of choice and privilege that you would add into this conversation? Yeah. I mean, on some level, it's it's an important reminder that we should acknowledge the privilege that we have. I certainly should. Like, I am a white woman in America. I went to a, a good university. I know the kind of privilege that that gives me. And I know that not everyone can just quit their job and start a coaching business. Mm-hmm. I also know that I have a husband who works for the government. And the amount of privilege that gives me to feel a little safer in starting a business is huge. And I know that I worked in the corporate world and that that also gives me privilege in terms of what my future career opportunities could be and the savings that I was able to save up when I was in that job. So I think for all of us to recognize the privilege that we bring to these conversations is really important and and it's level setting. And it's not just willy-nilly, yes, you can achieve anything, go out and do it, quit your job tomorrow. at the same time. And I think we did touch on this earlier, mm-hmm. but I, I think it is important for people to do a couple of things whenever they say, I can't do this, or I shouldn't do this. First is go out and do the research so that you really understand what your constraints are, whether you could change them, whether or not there's something that comes close to what it is that you want, or could be a stepping stone towards what you want, while also taking care of what you need right now in your life. There's no reason for you to not be able to have that research process. So at the very least, again, like you were saying earlier, you turn an assumption into a statement of truth. And then the second thing is don't be afraid to ask for help. I think oftentimes we've got this pull yourself up by your bootstraps American mentality about work where it's, I've got to apply online and find a job that way. And I can only do something that's within my current industry. 
And that's just what I'm subjected to. And I see so many professionals and job seekers out there who aren't asking people to support them. They aren't reaching out to the members of their family or their community to say, hey, do you know anyone who works at this organization or in this industry that I could talk to about it and see whether or not I might be a good employee for you guys? Do you... Um, are you able to make this introduction for me? Um, are you able to support my family by allowing us to come stay with you for six months and save on rent because you've got extra space in your house? Are you able to take care of my kids one day when I'm going for a job interview? Like there are things that we are able to get in terms of support from our communities, which I think we hesitate to reach out for because we think it shows weakness. But in fact, and you and I have talked about this a yes. lot, Christina, the people in our communities, they want to help us. They get joy and meaning out of being there for us. The people who went to your university want to help you get access to the jobs that you're interested in. Like that feels good. Like if you've ever been that person who recommends someone for a job and they get the job, your heart glows mm -hmm. because you helped make something good happen in the world. So I think this comes back to like recognizing what the actual constraints of your life are and having one thing that you're researching be, what are the depths of the potential community support that I might ask for? Mm -hmm. Well, and to add into that, not to make it about money, because I think you spoke to a lot of the really powerful emotional connections that can come when we ask for and receive help. But what I always remind people too is 90%, I, that's a made up stat, just heads up, 90% <laughs> of companies give a referral bonus. So if you feel like you're being an inconvenience to somebody by asking them for information about their company, they are probably going to get money in their pocket if they recommend you. So if nothing Very else, true. if none of Liz's really eloquent words about community and support worked, <laughs> think about that, that someone's probably getting a payoff because you're applying to the job. Um, so I love this idea of community. You mentioned it early on. You talked about how one of your values was community and how you weren't able to actually act on that as much as you wanted to. And then now you've brought back this idea of community in terms of jobs. So I love all that. Can you yeah. tell me what safety nets are in your world? I know it's a new concept that you're just flushing out, but tell us about it. Okay. So yes, safety nets, a little bit of a new concept that I've been toying with and talking about, and I'm still thinking a lot about. And yet I think, you know, one of the misconceptions we can have in our lives is that we, if we take a risk and we fail, it's all over. This interesting process that I went through with one of my best friends from growing up, she and her husband were visiting a couple of weekends ago and we were talking about safety nets. And you know, there's some career uncertainty for me in running a small business. Most small businesses fail. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm very aware of that fact. And so, you know, I don't want to put too much pressure on my husband. And one of the things we've talked about is how do we have some safety nets? What would our backup plan be if everything came crashing down? And my wonderful friend said, you guys could come live with us. We would love to have you come live with us for six months while you got back on your feet, you could work at the local grocery store. We could figure out a plan together. You know, we would help cover the groceries for you guys. Don't worry. There's no way we're going to let you fall. Mm -hmm. And I was like, holy crud. I feel so much lighter knowing that it doesn't all rest on me and on me and my husband to make this work. And I think all of us have more of those safety nets in place or could, and there's nothing wrong with solidifying those commitments from the people in our lives 
to give ourselves a little room to like stretch our legs and go after the things that we really want. I love this concept so much. I've thought about it a lot in my own life. And I just most of all love the idea of formalizing these relationships and officially mm-hmm. committing. It's almost a – you and I talked about this. It's almost a little commitment ceremony with your friends a little and bit. with your family. Um, I have actually – I had one friend that I said, listen, just heads up. When my mom dies, you're going to come sit at my bedside for a month. And she was like, Okay. Yeah. And then she's like, and you're going to do the same. I'm like, obviously. <laughs> and uh-huh. it's just this beautiful thing. And it's one of those things that you How could- How did it feel to go through that process? You know, it actually her. happened before you had this idea. But now in retrospect, I can apply the lens of safety nets to that conversation. It felt amazing. Uh-huh. I mean, obviously, I don't want to think about that moment. But I mean, it just felt so freeing to know that I knew exactly what would happen. I mean, obviously, life can change, right? Like circumstances can come up. But I mean, how beautiful to just know that you have support in your hardest moments. Um, and it's Amen. and it's been formalized. Yeah, it's not so scary anymore. I love it. I love it so much. Yeah, thank you. You've really made me think yeah. about the different the different safety nets that I have in my life, and um, I think I've been around a lot of people recently who I think have a hard time receiving help. And mm-hmm. I read actually, I think it's a Brene Brown quote that essentially says, if you attach a stigma to receiving help, then you subconsciously are attaching a stigma to giving help. And mm-hmm. I think that's a really interesting thing. So if you have any stigma about receiving help from your friends or family, take that and turn it back around. So actually on one of the other podcast episodes, we talked about the mirror technique. So things that you see in other people, you can flip it around and use it for yourself. So if you are stigmatizing yourself for receiving help, flip it around and say, how am I stigmatizing other people for asking for help? Um, yeah. And then, oh my gosh. And if we all put on this like strong lens of perfection, then like there's no real vulnerability or community at all. Mm-hmm. And and then we're all just like, we're like projections of, of people in relationship with each other. Mm-hmm. And to your point, people want to be asked. So I always tell this one friend, I always say, listen, if I've made you a home cooked meal, I didn't do it to make you feel good. Although I want you to feel good. I'm like, I did it because I enjoyed the process and it is fun for me to watch you eat my food and be excited about it. It's a totally yeah, selfish thing. And because of your Enneagram 3-ness, you just, all she really needs to do is tell you it was a great meal and you, you will feel good. I mean, my love language is also words of affirmation. So yeah, it all makes sense. <laughs> I give acts of service so that I can receive words of affirmation. <laughs> What, That's okay. What is your love language, real quick? Oh, I mean, yeah, I'm a big words of affirmation person. That's definitely that's right up there for me. You're doing a really, really amazing job on this podcast. <laughs> oh, oh, <Boom>. thanks. <laughs> no, honestly, honestly, though, for for someone, jokes aside, for someone who's never done a podcast, you're just nailing it. Thanks. I I know we're coming up on time here. I want to ask you the same question I ask everyone else. And I think I might know your answer, but what is one book that you would recommend besides Let Your Life Speak? You don't get that one because that's mine. Uh (laughs) What's another book that you would recommend that everybody take a read? Great question. And I know we already talked about it, but I think it would have to be Power of Now. Mm. It is definitely just the another hugely influential book in my life and the one that I gift most people. Okay. So 
we have a ton of resources for everybody to check out. Everything's going to be linked in the show notes. And obviously, they're going to have a way to get in touch with you to visit your website. You're going to see my testimonial right there on one of the the testimonial pages because Liz was my career coach. She's amazing. It was an incredible experience. (laughs) I've sent lots of people your way. But any closing thoughts? I know there's tons of topics we didn't get a chance to go to yet. But any other closing thoughts that you'd like to share? Any topic you'd like to dig into briefly before we sign off? If I'm thinking about people wanting to improve their careers, the one thing that I've taken away from all of my coaching experiences is that it is hugely personal and not every career message is going to resonate with you or feel right to you. And that is perfectly okay. So no matter where you are coming from in your career, I just encourage people to define your values so that you know what it is that you want to be marching towards at this point in your life and to define the problem for yourself. Like what is it really that needs to change in your life? And are you ready to put in the work to change it? And it's, it's completely up to you. And that's my one greatest wish for people is that we can all stop dealing in shoulds when it comes to our careers and start solving the right problems for the right reasons for ourselves. So I I just wish everyone authentic and genuine joy in whatever it is that they're doing and they do next. Thank you so much for that. And thank you so much for everything on this podcast. Um, People have a way to get in touch with you. And if you are a job seeker or soon-to-be job seeker who is looking for some support, I cannot recommend Liz enough. She's amazing. I will say you got to be willing to put in the work. Um, Liz can only do so much as a career coach, but she has the experience. She has the resources. And I think she – Liz, you have the mindset um, and you have a lot of respect for people's process. So that makes you an amazing career coach. So, Oh gosh, well, you're making me blush, but thank (laughs) you so much for that. And thank you for having me today. It's been awesome. Thank you for listening to the Peak Podcast. Your support helps this podcast grow. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend and then head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It is so much appreciated and I will see you on the next episode.